Hi, Journey. How's it going? Happy Father's Day. All of you, we love fathers. We love men around Journey Church. And uh, speaking of men, I was talking to a business leader in our community just the other day. And uh, he said, you know, I signed up 21 of my uh, colleagues to attend the leadership summit. And I was like, no way. He's making a significant investment in his leadership team to increase their leadership acumen, to invest in the future of their organization. And uh, it's worth you thinking about doing that very same thing. You can sign up online. Lots of uh, opportunity to do that. Uh, August 11th and 12th. Uh, Don't miss it. Uh, You know, no matter what your age and stage in life is today... Dads are relevant to every single one of us, aren't they? They just are. If it wasn't for a dad, we wouldn't even be here, and so that's why we're celebrating dads and fatherhood and men and leadership and all that kind of stuff. Did you hear about the kid who said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the gift? (laughs) And I'm kind of going like, well, what gift, right? My family asked me what I wanted for Father's Day. I was like, well, I don't need a darn thing, and If I wanted to buy myself a gift, I'd just go get something. I'd cut out the middleman, right? (laughs) I'm not that calloused, I promise you, but I did. I waved off the gift. Don't get me any. We'll see if they obeyed me. We'll see about that. Mark Twain, he said this, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. When I got to the ripe old age of 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. (laughs) Been there? Oh yeah, we know that deal. Someone put together these sort of humorous words that are entitled, The World According to Dad. And these are sort of lines that almost every dad has said at one time or another to their children. See if you uh, find yourself in any of these. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Ever said that one? Like the kid's going like, yeah, right. You're such a liar. (laughs) Don't forget to check the oil. Every dad has said that. Bring back all the change. All the change. How about this one? How should I know? Ask your mother. (laughs) What about this one? What do you think? I'm made out of money? Said that. Oh, you're going and you're going to have fun. (laughs) I say that one. If you break your leg, don't you dare come running back to me. (laughs) Hey, get down before you kill yourself. On second thought, go ahead. Why? Because I said so. That's why. That's why. You better get that junk picked up before your mom comes in here. And you dads, you probably have a few of your own that you could add uh, to that. Did you hear about the father who said to his teenage son, do you mind if I use the car tonight? I'm taking your mother out and I would really like to impress her. I could just use my car, please. That'd be great. Being a dad is a great adventure isn't it? Uh, That revealed itself to me just this week. We took Bailey over to Fishtail, the diabetes camp for the week, and uh, we were driving over there and listening to the news on the radio, and it was the day uh, of the infamous congressman's resignation. And so we're listening to the radio, and, uh, you know, the announcement is made, and then the news lady, she starts talking, and all of a sudden from the back seat, I hear three voices all in unison say, hey, dad, what's a congressman wiener? And so then I had to explain to them what he did that caused him to have to resign. And they're like, Dad, that's gross. (laughs) Yes, it is, actually. (laughs) Being a man is a fantastic adventure, isn't it? I saw a list this week of 50 reasons why it's good to be a man. We don't have time for all 50, but I sort of boiled the list down to 10. So it's kind of a top 10 list of reasons it's great to be a man. Number 10, you know stuff about tanks if you're a man. 
Even if you don't, you pretend you know about tanks. Oh, yeah. Number nine, you can go to the bathroom without a support group. (laughs) Number eight, if someone forgets to invite you to something, you and he can still be friends. Oh, good. Number seven, you can drop by to see a friend without bringing a little gift. If another guy shows up at the same party in the same outfit, you might become lifelong buddies. <laughs> Check this one out. One wallet, one pair of shoes, one color, all seasons. Your buddies can be trusted to never trap you with. So, notice anything different? If something mechanical doesn't work, you can bash it with a hammer and throw it across the room. Yeah. Chicks can't do that. And the number one reason it's good to be a man, you can do your nails with a pocket knife. (laughs) And guys, whether you're a dad right now, whether you're an aspiring future dad, maybe you're a guy who never had kids of your own, but you've been quite intentional about pouring into the lives of young people, maybe through a ministry like Fathers in the Field or so. I want to talk to you men today about something that you can do that will absolutely transform your kids, your family, your marriage, or the life of a kid who you're pouring your life into. And get this, men, it is not some new fancy program. It is not a new weekend recreational activity. It is not even the latest, greatest toy. It's actually quite old school, really. It's actually quite retro. There's no adrenaline rush involved. There's no expensive purchase to make, no monthly payment that you have to try to squeeze into the already tight budget. And yet, men, you dads, you future dads, you men who are pouring into young, you grandfathers even, if and when you intentionally devote yourself to this activity on behalf of your children and families and young people you pour into, literally some of the most powerful transformation you can possibly imagine will unfold right before your eyes. It's one simple word, prayer. Nothing fancy about it. One simple word, and it's prayer. And whether you pour into the lives of young people or if you're a dad or if you are an aspiring dad, you know that there are a lot of things that you can do to influence the lives of the young people whom God has entrusted to your care. I don't care if you're their dad. I don't care whether you're their father's in the field mentor. You can spend time with them doing really cool stuff, can't you? If you're a dad, you can buy them all the latest, greatest, coolest things You can take them to all the coolest places, coolest places on the face of the earth, really. You can set out to be the cool buddy dad if you really want to. There are an awful lot of things that you can do that will influence your kids in lots of ways. But the one thing that you can do that is absolutely and entirely assured to be positively and eternally transformative in the lives of the young people whom God has entrusted to your care is being on your knees praying for them. And dads, let me put it to you this way. If we are not praying for our kids, if our fatherhood is not undergirded with a foundation of intentional and regular prayer, intentional and regular spiritual leadership, all those other things that we do, no matter how cool or big or special or expensive it all is, it is just fluff. That's all it is. If we're not praying, all that other stuff is just fluff fluff. If you've got a Bible, I want to take you to the Old Testament book of Lamentations, chapter 2. You can follow along on the screens if you'd like as well. Lamentations 
chapter 2, bit of a unique Father's Day text here for you. Lamentations 2, starting in verse 18. This is what the Bible says. Cry aloud before the Lord, O walls of beautiful Jerusalem. Let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourselves no rest. Give your eyes no relief. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children. For in every street they are faint with hunger. Quite an interesting scripture. Let me set the stage for you just a little bit. If you read the book of Lamentations cover to cover, you'd understand that it is the story, it is the response to the fall of the city of Jerusalem. The Babylonians conquered Jerusalem in the year 586 BC, and there was, yes, this very physical component to the Jews' suffering. Their city falls, they spent 18 months under siege by the Babylonians, and there was spiritual implications to that as well. They lost their city. They lost their national pride. Their temple fell. It was psychologically devastating as well. It was devastating in every way that it could possibly be devastating. And the Jews, they were absolutely stunned. Stunned to even a level of stupefaction. They saw their beloved city, their beloved sacred temple, burst into flames. All of it gone. And here's what happened. The Lord had actually attacked Jerusalem as if Jerusalem were his enemy. Rather than protect the city with his powerful right hand, as he had promised to do over and over and over again, instead, this time, God turned his might against it. He poured out angry judgment like fire on the city of Jerusalem. Now remember, God used to reside in the city of Jerusalem. He used to live there. He used to inhabit the temple, but he left it. He abandoned it. And he allowed foreigners to run in, pollute it. He let the city's walls crumble. He let its leaders become enslaved to the Babylonians, leaving behind the rest of the population to just mourn and mourn bitterly over its demise, which is the story of the book of Lamentations. It was the unthinkable, really. In the minds of the Jews, this was the impossible And yet it had actually happened. It actually happened. Despite the preaching of prophets like Jeremiah, who Jeremiah over and over and over again, he warned Israel. He said, look, all of this is going to go away and we're going to be in a heck of a mess and terrible, terrible, terrible things are going to happen. If you do not turn your hearts back to God, especially in prayer, it's going to go badly. He warned and he warned and he warned. And yet even in the face of all of Jeremiah's warnings, The Jews were unprepared to cope with what went down. There was a raid, there was a conquest, there was a siege of their city. And that, all of that demonstrated that the basic tenet of the Jews' theology that was the inviolability of the city of Jerusalem. They thought it was impenetrable. Nobody would ever be able to conquer the city, the mountain of God. They determined that their whole theology was quite erroneous, quite broken. And that left them with this significant feeling of abandonment, It left them utterly shocked. It left them in unspeakable grief over their national and personal loss. They could hardly bear it. They didn't know what to do. And in the midst of that, this is this awful, awful, awful thing that went down. And in the midst of that, you read the book of Lamentations cover to cover. And what Lamentations underscores again and again and again is the comfort God brings to those who suffer. 
the comfort God brings to those who suffer. Because you see, wherever pain and hurt are, there God is. That's right where he is. And you move down into chapter 2 of the book of Lamentations, it, it would be known as the second lament. See, We see this focus shift to the anger of God around the events of 586 B.C. And you get down to verses 18 and 19, the ones I read to you just a moment ago. There is this exhortation by the prophet Jeremiah for the people of God to turn their attention to him, especially in prayer. The prophet Jeremiah is encouraging the whole nation of Israel to join him in shedding tears day and night. People of Israel... Lift your hands to the Lord in the most earnest prayers of your life on behalf of the children, especially the children who are suffering so severely. It was the children who were suffering the most. And you might ask the question, well, what was happening that caused the children of Jerusalem to suffer? Well, you see, innocent children were dying in the streets of Jerusalem every minute of every hour of every single day because mothers were unable to feed their kids. There wasn't enough food. There was no food, actually. People This is horrible. People were actually eating people in the city of Jerusalem, 586 B.C. And so mothers were just leaving their kids behind. They didn't have enough food for them. Think on that. It doesn't get any worse than that, does it? And in the face of this catastrophic loss and devastation and suffering that the Israelites are living through in these moments... This instruction from the prophet Jeremiah is crystal clear, folks, and it's relevant, incredibly relevant for us today. Verse 19, rise during the night and cry out. Jeremiah is saying to the people of Israel, and he's saying it, dads especially to us today, get up. Get up and cry out to God in prayer. Forget about sleep. Get up and pray. And he goes on, pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Dump it out. Dump it all out. Don't hold anything in. Just dump it out. Lift up your hands to him in prayer. That's extreme prayer. When you're lifting your hands to God in prayer, you are praying in an extreme kind of way. And Jeremiah is saying, it's time. Oh men, it's time. Pleading for your children. Pleading for your children. And dads, you know if you're a dad or if you're a guy who pours into young people, you know that there's a lot of things that we do to parent our kids and to pour into other kids, don't we? We spend time with them. We spend quality time as well as quantity, amounts of time. We make sure that we have these intentional, very purposeful conversations, right? We wanna talk to our kids and the kids we're mentoring, the kids we're pouring into, we wanna talk to them about all the right things. We help them through those conversations chart a course toward being a productive member of society. Ever said that as a dad? I just want you to be a productive member of society, right? So we care deeply about their grades and their activities and their friends and what they're up to. And we work, we invest to make sure that our children are firing on all those cylinders so that they can be productive in society, not a drain. We don't want our kids to be a drain. And that's absolutely great stuff. It is terrific stuff. It's terrific mentoring stuff. It's terrific parenting stuff. It's fantastic. But here's what the prophet Jeremiah says to us today, men, dads especially. You really want to make an impact on kids. You want to make an impact on the kids that God has entrusted to your care, whether it's your grandkids, the kids you mentor, the kids you're involved with in student ministry, so on and so forth. You really want to kick a dent. You really want to make an impact in their life. You pray. 
you pray. You wake up in the middle of the night and you cry out and you pour out your heart to God and you pray. And you ask God to move in their hearts. You ask God to stir in their hearts and you ask God to stir in your heart and keep them close. Close to him and close to you, dad. You pray. And all that other stuff matters absolutely. The time you spend both quantity and quality time. Purposeful conversations matter. Talking to them about all the right stuff matters. Helping them chart the course toward being productive members of society, that all matters. None of us want our kids to be a drain on society. It all matters. And while all of that stuff matters, get this, dads, the battle for the hearts and souls of our kids is won and lost on our knees in prayer. Plain and simply. And dad, I want you to know that there's lots of people who can pray. Moms can pray and grandparents can pray and friends can pray. Your church can pray. And it all matters, absolutely. But dad, you set the tone for your family when it comes to prayer for your kids and prayer for everything else, the spiritual direction of your family. You set it. No one else can set it for you. It's you. It is on you, not anyone else. You're the leader, dad, of your home. God's org chart for the family, you know what it looks like. It says Jesus is first. He's at the top. And then it says the husband comes next. Then it says the wife comes next. And then it says the children come after that. That means, Dad, we're the head of our household. We're the leader. You're the motivator. You're the innovator. You're the one who sets the direction and the vision spiritually and otherwise. And you, Dad, are the one responsible for the outcomes. It's on you. You think about a baseball team, Dad's. And when a team consistently loses, does the owner replace all the players, just start over again? No. Not even close. It's the manager, it's the coaching staff who have the opportunity when a team is losing to explore other employment opportunities. And that's how they say it. There's a positive spin on everything. Dad, you are the leader of your home. God designates you as leader. And we can think about that all day long. We can question God's wisdom about that all we want to but it's us. That's God's plan. We've got the designated parking spot. We're the one with the nameplate on the door. We're CEO of our family, if you want to think about it like that. And with that role comes the responsibility, the accountability for what happens in our family, how things unfold. It's not on anyone else. And guys, please, men, please get this. Leadership does not mean master or dictator. It does not mean that Dad is king and the family are his subjects to rule over with his every women fancy. Not even close. Your family, they're not your slaves. It doesn't mean you, dad, make all the decisions. No way. Healthy leadership involves delegation, shared responsibility, shared ownership. We're all in this together. And dad's you being leader does not mean that you are always right. We mess up don't we? We fail on occasion to seek God. We all make mistakes. And dads, we must be willing to ask for forgiveness. We must be willing to say we're sorry with some regularity. Why with some regularity? Because we mess up with some regularity, don't we? We just do. And we got to say, I blew it. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'll try to do better. And dad's the deal, not just out there, not just in the world, but in the church as well. Too many of us dads, we're abdicating our role as the spiritual leader of our families. We're giving it away. 
Too many men, whether they say it implicitly or explicitly, they say to their wives, here's the deal. I'm going to go to work, I'm going to bring home the bacon, and then I'm going to play golf, I'm going to hunt, fish, climb mountains, I'm going to be the weekend warrior, I want to be doing whatever the heck I want to do, while you raise the kids, you make the decisions, you take everyone to church, and you have dinner on the table at 6 o'clock when I walk through the doors. Oh yeah, by the way, just in case all that other stuff doesn't fill enough hours in your day, I need you to find a job to support our overinflated lifestyle choices. Get on that, please. Way too many dads saying all that. And guys, that is not even close to the kind of leadership that God intends nor expects from us. Not even close. Not even on the map, as a matter of fact. We fathers, we men are to be the spiritual direction setters for our family. And that direction starts on our knees in prayer. It's where it begins and that's where it ends. Zig Ziglar talks about this study. An actual research study that, dads, this ought to be quite chilling to us. It was to me. Do you know that when mom and dad take their kids to church together... Mom and dad take their kids to church together. 76% of those kids give their hearts to Jesus Christ. 76, that's pretty good, isn't it? If dad is the one by himself taking the kids to church, 55% of those kids give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Not so good, but check this out. If mom is the one taking the kids to church by herself, 15% of those kids give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If neither parent goes to church, just 9% of those kids become followers of Jesus Christ. Do you hear, Dad, the spiritual influence that you have on your family, that you have on the kids who God has entrusted to your care? Dad, if you are the one by yourself bringing the kids to church, if mom stays home, 50%, roughly one out of two of those kids, they follow Jesus, and that's fantastic. If you stay home, however, Dad, And mom brings the kids to church. One out of six of those kids follows Jesus. Chilling. It is an absolutely chilling statistic. The spiritual influence that you have on your family cannot be overstated, men. And it isn't just about church attendance. That's not all it's about. It starts and it ends with us praying for our family, you praying for your kids, you actually stepping up and stepping in and setting the spiritual direction of your family. And that spiritual direction begins on our knees. If you read Matthew chapter 12 sometime, Jesus talks about a thief. He tells of this parable of a thief breaking into a family's house and robbing them blind, kind of everything they have. And Jesus asked this question kind of at the end of it. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. Dads, do you have any idea who the strong man Jesus is talking about is? It is you. It is you. And if you are the prayerful leader of your family that God's asked you to be, then no enemy is coming through any window, any door of your house, and carrying off any of your prized possessions. And I'm not talking about your stuff and things. I'm talking about your wife, your kids, your spiritual blessing. They're not coming in and they're not taking anything without coming through you first. Because your prayers, Dad, are the first line of defense. The enemy's out to rob you blind. We talked about that last weekend. And your prayers are the first line of defense that you have. And men, how many of our families have been robbed? Robbed by all manner of prized possessions and spiritual blessing because the strong man, that's us, men, dad. We haven't been living in the joy and the freedom that God desires and intends 
for you. The John 10.10 life is not yours. Maybe some of you dads, some of you men, you become a prisoner to your desire for financial or career advancement and you're just climbing ladders. It's what you do. You just climb and climb and climb and you're leaving quite a wake behind you. Doesn't matter who it is. You're just advancing, advancing, advancing in every way. You got quite a pile of stuff. Maybe for some of you, you're enslaved to sexual sin, uncontrolled anger. Maybe some of you are even enslaved to recreational pursuits that are stealing your heart away from being the strong man of your family that God's asked you to be. Now, men, get this. With so incredibly much hanging in the balance, none of us can afford to be shackled up to anything that is not of God. We cannot afford it. That means today, like right now, not tomorrow, not next week, or I'll I'll get on that at some point. We have to get rid of the stuff in our life that is incongruent with God and his heart and whatever it is that's in the way of God's activity in your life. Men, it is time to step up and unshackle from all of that crap, and that's what it is, and get in all in, all in, not a toe in the water, not a foot across the line, all in with God's stuff. And men, I know a whole bunch of us, we struggle deeply with feelings of inadequacy, especially when it comes to setting the spiritual tone for our families. We just struggle, we shrink back, we shy away, we're petrified of failure, so petrified that a whole bunch of us, we don't even start the conversation, we don't even try because we're so fearful we'll fall flat on our faces. But when we get this, man, when we seize up on the spiritual leadership gig because of our fear of failure, what we've done is forget one of God's great lessons of all time and that it's God delighting in using imperfect people. God loves to use imperfect people time and time and time again. All you got to do is think about all the biblical leaders who have failed miserably at some point in their lives. Start with Abraham, then think of David, then think of Moses, then think of Peter, then think of Paul. On and on and on the list goes. And we're going to fail. We're going to screw up. We're going to fall flat on our faces. And God says, that's okay. Because I'm at work, I'm using you. It's my work, really, God says. And I'm using you. I just want you to step up. I just want you to step in. I just want you to get off the bench. And dads, here's the deal that you gotta remember. The spiritual leadership of your family, it is not about sounding profound or polished. It isn't about being worried. The fear of man. Worried about what your wife or kids think of your prayers. It isn't about worrying what your wife or kids think of the spiritual tone the spiritual direction that you set for your household, it is about you leading out the way God has asked you to lead out. And that's in his strength, in his power, in his wisdom, in his direction, clinging tightly to him. And we're men, right? So we think we can handle it all by ourselves, but God says, you gotta, you gotta be with me. You gotta cling tightly to me. You gotta hang on. Because you can't do it without me. Dads, don't forget this. Your prayers, your spiritual leadership, the spiritual tone you set for your family makes all the difference in the lives of your wife and kids, the whole outfit. And dads, here is your job in prayer. If you want to boil it down, here's your job in prayer. It's that you would acknowledge and experience the presence of God yourself. Experience the presence of God yourself 
so that you can invite his presence into your life and your circumstances because here's what we know. The presence of God and the power of God, it is the means, it is the method to overcoming any challenge that you and your family and your marriage and your kids ever face. You walk with Jesus, you follow Jesus, you let Jesus transform you and then you invite that very same thing into your family but it has to start inside of you first. It isn't gonna come in any other way. It starts in you first. And some of you go like, I don't even know where to start with this. How do I even stick my toe into the water on this deal? It can look like a whole lot of things. Let me give you just a couple of examples, just two. Would you think about including a personalized prayer list for every single person in your family? And it doesn't have to be like reams of paper with all these bullet points. It might be a sticky note for every person in your family, men, your wife included, sticky note, sticky note, sticky note. Some of us have more than others. And you just have a couple of bullet points on there, and these are things that you pray for your wife. These are things that you pray for this kid and this kid and this kid, because you know they're wrestling with this and that, and you want God to do this and that. And, and it's not like some legalistic thing. It's just a tool. How many of us, our minds wander in prayer? So that just focuses you. Here's what I'm praying right now for this kid and my wife and so. The next thing that might just be sort of a toe in the water for you is praying specific verses from the Bible for each person in your family. And you might go like, well, I don't have any idea how to just pick one and spread it across your whole family. Pray it. Include kids' names, wives' names in the One wife, not wives, but just one (laughs) wife. (laughs) Let's be clear. Insert your wife's name in there and pray that over her. And pray it over your kids. And then as you do that, as you're safariing through the scriptures, God will bring other scriptures across in front of you. Like, no way, I want to pray that one for that kid and that one for my wife and that one for that. It'll like feed on itself. And here's what we know. Here's why we do that. Because God's word is an incredibly powerful weapon against which no enemy, no enemy can prevail. It means we want our families saturated in the word of God. And dads, here's what else is going to happen. You know stuff's going to break in your family. Things are going to go wrong. They're going to go haywire with our kids and with our marriage and stuff gets all crossways. And so it's just the way it goes, right? We live in this fallen, broken world. And the propensity will be to blame ourselves. Well, I'm the spiritual leader of this family, and so it's on me. And so we blame ourselves, right? We beat ourselves up for not being the perfect dad. But see, it isn't about being the perfect dad. Being the perfect dad is not what makes the difference in our kids' lives and our family's life because there is no such thing as a perfect dad. There isn't. None of us is perfect, men. That means the option of being a perfect father is completely off the table. Get over it. But you see, what makes the difference in the lives of our kids and our families is us being praying dads. Not perfect dads, praying dads. Walking closely with Jesus. Pursuing Jesus. Asking Jesus to change us, teach us, shape us, mold us. It's about us, see, men, leading our families in the very way of Christ leading our families in the very way of Christ. Whether you're a dad today, whether you're a future dad, whether you're a granddad, maybe you're a guy who never had kids of your own, but you intentionally pour into other kids, here's the deal. You're the point man. You 
are the point man. You're the coach of your team. You are the captain, and you can think about your home as boot camp for the training of young men and women whose call it is to transform the world in the name of Jesus Christ. That's your role. That means our goal, that is not merely to get our kids to outwardly conform to a list of rules and regulations. Our mandate, rather, is to grow children who seek to glorify God with their whole lives. It is about pleasing Him, glorifying Him. It isn't even just about teaching our kid to do good things. Rather, our goal is to teach our kids how to live a life, check this out, mobilized on the kingdom of God mission. Mobilized on the kingdom of God mission. To teach our kids how to live a life of kingdom of God servanthood, serving towel over our arms. And dads, you're the leader. You are the leader. And the opportunity is right before you if you haven't stepped into it yet to pray on and to lead on starting now. Because you see your kids and your wife and your whole family, they're waiting for you. They're waiting for you to step up and step in and get on. Steve Farrar is the author of this book called Standing Tall. He uses this quite strategic metaphor that I think you'll find helpful for dads. I'll give this to you as we close. He writes this. A godly father is the, check this out, unseen spiritual submarine. The unseen spiritual submarine who lurks below the surface of every activity of his child's life. A man who has put on the full armor of God and with that armor goes to warfare on his knees for his children is a force to be reckoned with. Isn't that what you want to be, Dad? A force to be reckoned with in the supernatural. We cannot be for ourselves with our children 24 hours a day. Through our prayers, however, we have the ability to affect situations even when we're not physically present. You may be undetected, but that does not mean you are in effective will dad will leader will you be the unseen spiritual submarine lurking beneath the surface of every activity in your child's life will you be there that way it starts in prayer it ends in prayer it continues in prayer will you do it dad will you do it leader will you do it grandfathers let's go to prayer now just invite you to set your stuff aside and bow your heads and get quiet and still with him. And I just invite you to use this time to do whatever business you need to do with God. I invite you to think on what the prayerful spiritual leadership of your family looks like now and what you want it to look like going forward. Maybe for you it looks different than it does right now. Maybe you've given your leadership away. You've dumped it on your wife or you tried to dump it on someone else and God's saying, "Huh, uh that's not my plan. And if you're a guy who's here today who's saying, I want to get in on God's plan, just tell him that. Just drive some stakes in the ground with him right here, right now. And you can go out those doors and things can be different. And you're right, you're not just going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to do it inside of you. He's the one who's going to give you the strength and the wisdom, the direction. You're not just manufacturing that. It's coming from God himself through his Holy Spirit. 
Maybe for you, your prayer life has been almost non-existent. You shoot up a few flare prayers now and then when you're in the midst of a crisis and you really need a hand up. Or what if today you decided that your prayer life was going to evolve? That's a fine place to start, absolutely, but how's your prayer life going to evolve? Maybe it looks like sticky notes with every, a sticky note for every member of your family with just a couple bullet points on it. And you spend five minutes a day praying those bullet points. It starts there. Maybe even now God is bringing a scripture to your mind that you're going to pray for your kids and you're going to pray for your wife. What changes for you today because of God's invitation? And maybe you're a person who's here, just doesn't have to be a guy. Gals are included in this as well. Maybe all of this kind of thinking is brand new for you. Maybe the thought of spiritual leadership in your household and praying for your family, maybe that's foreign to you. Maybe it's foreign to you because you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Could I ask you why you wouldn't just settle that once and for all today? Just get it wrapped up. Just deal with it. Father's Day 2011. Drive a stake in the ground that says, you know what? I've been trying to do this all by myself and it's not going very good. I've been trying to earn my way to God. Trying to be good enough, smart enough, fast enough, whatever. What if Father's Day 2011 is your day to stop running from God and just say, you know, I need you. I need a savior. I need a savior. And it's you, Jesus. And if that's you, that all starts with a confession. Your relationship with God starts with a confession. God, I'm a sinner. Just dump it out there. And just say, you know, God, every single thing in my life has been going away from you, contrary to you. And I'm sorry for that. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, please forgive me. Jesus, please change me. I get it. I get that you shouldered my consequence and my punishment the day you died on the cross. I get it, absolutely. And I'm choosing to appropriate the gift of Jesus Christ into my life. I embrace you, all of you, right here, right now. Here I am. And if that's you today, I don't care if you're a man, I don't care if you're a woman, that doesn't matter. If you're a person who's here today, who's saying yes to Jesus, yes, I'm repenting, yes, I'm experiencing the love of God, yes, I'm turning back to God, yes, I need your forgiveness, yes, I'm surrendering everything to you, it's not about me, it's about you, Jesus. If that's your prayer today, would you just real boldly lift your hands high and lock eyes with me, just lift them high, keep them raised, if that's you, yeah, right there, way to go, man, yes, and you, yeah, you, and you, yes, and you, yeah, both of you right there, yes. Absolutely, yes. And back in the back, I see you, yeah? And right here, yes. I'm standing with you and I'm saying yes with you in there, yes. Absolutely, 
Yes, there, in the back. Way to go. Father's Day 2011, everything changes for you. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah, way, way to go. Way to go. Yeah. And there, yes. And there, absolutely, yes. Yes, there. Father God, thank you so much for being the perfect Father. Thank you so much for modeling for us what it is to be a father. And for all of these who today are saying yes to you, we just stand back in awe and we thank you for your presence and your activity and what you're doing, God. We celebrate with the angels in heaven these who are saying yes to you today. What a day for them. And Jesus, we ask that going forward, your Holy Spirit would be empowering all of we men. Giving fuel and energy and life to our life that's inside of Christ. We do not have the wisdom. We are not smart enough. We're not good enough to figure it out. We need you every day. And may that reality of our incredible need for you drive us to our knees, please, God pleading with you for the hearts of our children, for the hearts of our grandchildren, for the hearts of the children who you've entrusted to our care, mentoring relationships, whatever it is, God, that we would be pleading with you for their hearts, God, that they would know you, that they would follow you, that they would be yielded to you, that they would be humble before you, and that they would live their whole life mobilized on the mission of God. God, I pray for those of us who have terrible relationships with our fathers. Who the very thought of Father's Day, it just breaks us down. God, I pray in those myriad circumstances that you would be, as your scripture promises, a father to the fatherless. That you would step in and that you would be comfort and healing and life and fullness. Where there's opportunity for conversation with dads who were in broken relationship with God, would you open those doors, please? nudge us to just make the phone call, just drop in, just get on a plane, whatever we have to do to go and make it right. To go and speak words of life, forgiveness. Humbly, God. I pray that many, many, many would be reconciled with dads, even today. That's who you are, God. You're the reconciling, healing, almighty God. 
And we're humbled to know you. We're humbled to walk with you. And we are humbled to call ourselves your children. 